Welcome to Authentic Energy, a podcast dedicated to getting to the bottom of what it means to be your true, authentic self at work. I am your host, Wendy Brand, a former corporate executive turned transformation coach. Let's take this learning journey together as I meet with guests weekly to learn how they've managed or not managed to find the elusive boundaries and success in their career and what it really means to find balance. Hi, I'm Wendy Brand, your host, and this is part two of my three levers, L-E-V-E-R-S, not lovers, as my husband thought I was saying originally, Um, three levers of authentic energy episode. So in episode seven, I shared a little bit about my history and relationship with work, just so that you could understand a little about where I'm coming from. And then I laid out the three levers that I believe you can access and manipulate in order to find your authentic energy. In this part two episode, I'm going to be pulling from conversations with previous guests to put a little meat on the bone for you. But before we dive in, I just want to say to all of those women that are out there hustling, I see you. I see you on those back-to-back calls. I see you putting in extra hours to make sure performance reviews get done, attending extra meetings that you've been pulled into because your opinion is valued. You are killing it. But don't kill yourself. I started this podcast because while others are talking about quitting their day job, I want to believe that it is possible to stay in the hustle, but do it in an authentic, healthy way. I may be wrong, but I know there are so many of you out there that are still at it, and I don't want to leave you. I want to support you and help you find ways to connect. Connect with your inner child, your authentic self, the person that you are longing to be. I am with you and I see you and this podcast is dedicated to you. And so if there are things you want to hear or learn about on the podcast, I hope you'll send me a note. I want to hear. I want to make sure that this is value add for you. My email address, wendybrandcoaching at gmail.com or find me on Instagram or LinkedIn under the same name. I want to make sure that this show stays relevant for you. Okay. So let's take the levers one by one. First, I think it's important to understand your definition of success. That's lever number one. Is it a title? Is it a monetary amount? I've shared with you before that my definition of success started as a means to my independence. And then I figured out a way to have fun and make money, insert the final four or the cruise ship job. And then when it came time to have a family, I really shifted to that title and the money. But what I have learned from this podcast so far is that the pivot to finding success in a positive culture or in fulfillment is possible. I am seeing it in the women that I talk to on this show. A good example is my guest from last week's podcast with Carissa Thomas. Here's her definition of success and how it's evolved from achievement to fulfillment. (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about how you define success. Yeah, um, I think my definition of success has definitely evolved as I've grown and developed myself and um, had the opportunity to explore so many different areas, um, you know, in my professional life, as well as my personal life. 
And, you know, originally I think success was always tied to a position or a title or a monetary something. And, you know, like that feeling of achieving whatever that goal was and like making it to that milestone. And when I reflect on and think about and define success now, um, I really, I, I think about success as more of a feeling and success to me is feeling fulfilled. And I think all of those things that I just mentioned previously definitely are contributors to that and they play into success and that feeling of fulfillment but it's a lot bigger than just the very focused things that we tend to or I know I can personally speak for myself especially in my earlier years like very type a rigid like focus 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 this is the the ladder that I'm going and climbing and this is how I'm going to get here and here are my goals and my objectives and this is the plan And so there's still pieces of that that are part of it. But at the end of the day, if I don't feel fulfilled in both my professional life as well as my personal life, then that is not success. That can't be chalked up to success because without the feeling of fulfillment, then what what is there? So not success in my eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. And so for fulfillment for you, what what is fulfillment? Yeah. So fulfillment for me is feeling accomplished in ways that um, I'm in enablement, right? So I help other people do their job. I help um, with them developing new skills or offering additional training. So to me, fulfillment comes in a variety of different ways, but it's when I feel like that validation of, I helped. I helped somebody else do their job better, or I helped them move into their next role, or I helped them do something. And again, not only professionally, but also on a personal level. I, you know, I lead retreats with a good friend of mine. And so taking this in and just like being the connector and kind of the conduit to helping people feel good or, um, you know, just helping them in some way, shape or form is like the ultimate feeling of fulfillment for me and having that, you know, balance between the two professionally as well as personally and just in my life and just who I am and, you know, just how I operate. I love that she has a holistic picture of success and fulfillment. It's not just about your professional life, but also your personal life. Next, my guest Kelly Hopping, Chief Marketing Officer at Haiku, has always had a similar view. Let's hear how she explains it. Okay. And so tell me about your definition of success in your career and has it changed over time? I think so. Um, I never really set, I never had a goal, to be honest. I wasn't ever like, I want to be in the C-suite by the time I'm 40 or I want to be a vice president by 30 or I didn't, I never had any. Okay. My goal was always to love what I was doing and to love it enough to leave my family every day when that time came. So even when I was 22, 23, I thought one day I'm going to get married. One day I'm going to have kids um, and I better enjoy where I'm going or else I'm going to the wrong spot. And so that was always my, my goal. And again, you don't know that until you're in a job, if that's the case, but it doesn't take long in a job to realize this is not worth the sacrifice that I'm making at home. 
or even times when I've been able to manage my life well, but was miserable in my job, my husband's had to kind of call me out and say, I know you think you're leaving it at the office, but you're not like you're miserable when you get home because you brought that home with you. And so realizing just being happy at work made me much happier at home as well, which made me a better wife, mom, friend, daughter, mother, whatever it was. Such an important point from Kelly. Sometimes our success is dependent upon the culture of an organization. If there is dis-ease at work and it is seeping into our home life, we may need to find a different place to work. So the way that we define success matters. The second lever is understanding our purpose, or as Sarah describes it, it is what we were uniquely put on this planet to do. This should be integrated with a mix of passion and your God-given strengths. Not only has Dr. Sarah Brand found a purpose in work, but it includes lifting up and bringing other women along. It takes time and it does not happen overnight. She still works lots of hours, but it feels completely different. Here's a peek at how she came to find what her purpose and passion were. That is amazing, Sarah. And it sounds like you have a very, um, and have for a while, even if it was kind of underlying a very specific vision or goal. I mean, you know what you want to achieve. And um, the thing that I love about your story that I'm hearing is that it's not about you. It's about bringing other women um, up with you um, Mm -hmm. and highlighting, um, you know, highlighting that there aren't a lot of women in that space. And how do you, how would you say, how would you measure success for yourself today? That the answer to that has definitely evolved over the years. Um, Really making sure that I'm doing what I'm put on the planet to uniquely do. And uh, even, even though I loved lots of aspects, similarly to you love the challenge, love to prove myself, you know, like whatever, I was always looking for the next best problem to solve. Um, You know, it wasn't fulfilling to my soul. So anyway, I had to do lots of internal reflection of like what literally energizes me, what drains me to a 30 minute, 60 minute kind of interval, you know, so I could really understand who I wanted to work with, what type of people I wanted to work with, what types of problems that I want to solve, like how much could I work a day? How did I de-stress best? Like all this kind of stuff. And it took a long time to even like start self-reflecting and evaluating just because I had not been thinking I was just so externally focused and um, not taking the, the time to figure that out. So it it was, you know, a process of years before I realized I even wanted to start this fund and then years to get it up and running and formulate what I wanted to do. Um, and lots of, you know, journaling and reading and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But now, now that I um, am really doing what I want to do in the world, it's very different because now it's not like I'm burning out at the end of the day, even though I'm still a workaholic, it's fulfilling work. And so it feels completely different. So I'm working maybe more even than I used to, but it does not feel like that. It feels like I'm like skipping through life. I'm like, I can't even believe that this is my job. You know, I love what Sarah is doing for women and for this planet. 
Next, Dr. Jessica Harris found her purpose at an early age, and a big part of that is helping others. This is such a common theme among these women, helping others. Being of service is so important. I heard a phrase recently that instead of self-care, we should try others' care, because when we do for others, it can give us such a sense of fulfillment. Let's hear how Jessica found her passion. Um. You know, I wish I had some big, glamorous, fancy story about how Insensity was birthed, but the truth is I really and truly feel this is my purpose um, in life. And from a very, very early age, I think age 10 is my earliest memory of working at a hospital as a volunteer. I was the youngest volunteer there and immediately knowing that helping people is my destiny. And at that time, it really meant medical school and becoming a physician. And um, as the decades went on, um, this idea of providing a virtual space that caters to each pillar of an individual's well-being, and then creating a program that's backed in, um, you know, evidence-based, science-backed, Um, that we can really use proven scientific methods to help people and shepherd them along their well-being journey um, is kind of what it morphed into. Um, And here we are today. It's fully launched. Um, We're in 12 cities around the country, um, have several clients, and we're now just kind of moving into the corporate space. So I'm I'm just very, very happy and fulfilled by Insensity. As I mentioned, it is so important to make sure that your passion and purpose include your strengths, your God-given strengths. And strengths coach coach Kathy Kirsten really highlighted the value of playing to your strengths when pursuing your passion and purpose. Here's that conversation. I love the strengths conversation because it really does align with what I'm searching to uncover on this podcast. Part of preventing burnout um, that I'm learning is to be true to your authentic self and setting boundaries um, at work or in home or wherever to protect your energy. I don't know if you heard the podcast with Mary Stitch. She worked with both of us at um, Rackspace and she really coined the phrase like energy depletion. We started equating burnout with energy depletion. And so when I think about the strengths and really the book, you know, how full is your bucket? It, it's, and when I re looked at that again recently, I was like, oh, this is exactly what we're talking about. It's really understanding your strengths and making sure that, um, in life that you're giving yourself opportunities to be doing those things that play to your strengths. Um, So do you agree? First of all, do you agree with that? A thousand percent. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. And my part of my departure story from Rackspace, it was a good, friendly, amicable departure. One of my strengths in particular was really in friction with my current position and what was happening around me within the organization that depleted the energy of my strengths. I, uh, one of my mentors called it obeying your strengths. You got to obey your strengths. Really, I had stopped obeying some of my strengths. Moving on to our non-negotiables. This is lever number three. These are the things that we need to do to protect our energy. I believe Mary... Stitch's analogy with her closet is a great example of what can happen to us if we do not protect our non-negotiables. And that may mean establishing boundaries. Let's listen to Mary's story. 
Um, But I read an article and the article basically said, look, if you're feeling low on energy, start tracking what brings you energy and what depletes your energy. Write it down. Make a list for a few days. Everything you did in the day. Rate it one to five. Low energy is a one. High energy is a five. And one of the things I found is that my interactions with people where I could really be my authentic self and offer to be helpful and in turn ask for help, my energy went up. I'd walk away from a coffee at Ground Town, our fantastic little coffee shop at Rackspace, where I'd done a a one-on-one with someone about a challenge for me at work or a, a goal for that person about what they wanted to try to achieve or even a negotiation over a new role or a compensation challenge, whatever it might be. And I'd walk away and my energy would be at a five, right? So part of this is paying attention to myself and pausing long enough to listen and be aware of where I find energy and where my energy is depleted. And look, no job is perfect. Every job, every relationship, whether it's personal or professional, is going to have its highs and lows in terms of energy. But we want to err on the side of finding energy boosters instead of energy depleters. Hmm. I really love that. Yeah, it was that exercise I did that really helped me be more intentional about it. So beautiful. I love that you said that. And I think it, I think it's a great segue too into the wellness piece of it, right? And finding the balance and, and especially as leaders for our teams and ensuring that not just we are, you know, our energy is being protected, but that we're helping our team um, to do that as well. And so are there, you know, in your career and how did you prioritize your wellness or um, whatever that looks like for you, your well-being? Yeah, a couple things that come to mind. One is, you know, sometimes back to it being a work in progress, but um, sometimes I would find that I would really allow myself to go right to the brink of tears, or I would have tears. I would just be so overwhelmed and I would have taken on so much and not really thought about boundaries or limits on how much energy I could expend on something, right? And um, it reminds me of my closet. And I don't know if, if, if you have this, but every now and then I allow my closet to be completely packed with stuff, mm-hmm. things I don't wear, things that aren't organized. Like I don't have a perfectly spaced rack of things. I pile it in, I pile it in. In my life, I pile it on, I pile it on. And then one night, speaking of my closet, I heard this huge, huge crash. I thought someone was breaking into my house. And I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, what was that? What was that? Sounded like it came from my closet. Like, what happened? Got up, I slowly opened the closet door. And my rack of clothes that had become too packed and overwhelmed with weight had crashed onto the floor of the closet. All my boxes that were stuffed on the shelves, all my clothes, everything was like, I couldn't even open the door. In my life, I allow things to pile up and pile up and I take on more and I take on more and I get to that brink where I think, you know what? 
I have got to reset. I'm not working out as much. I'm eating too many white refined carbs. I need more water. So I had to, the next day I had to take everything out of my closet and take stock. What a great analogy. Yes. What do I need? What can I let go of? What can I say? "Mm, I wish I could keep this, but I can't fit into a size six. (laughs) I'm a size 12, maybe a 14 every now and then. It's real, right? So with my work or even personal relationships, it's really hard for me to say no. But I read another great article. And by the way, you know, nothing's original, right? We're all learning from each other. That's right. That's right. Right. I read this great article about saying no. And like, I really have a hard time saying no. And one of the things that I'll remember forever is that there are ways to say no that work better for me. And one of those ways is to say, I wish I could. I like that. I wish I could. With authenticity, Mm -hmm. I really do wish I could. Because what it says is, I can't. The answer is no. But to me, it's a kinder, gentler way for me to say it. It feels better to me. And I'm being um, uh, just more respectful of how I need to draw the line and how I need to say things with with wholeheartedness, if that makes sense. Yes. And so now with my closet, this morning I thought of it because I walked in there and I thought, uh-oh, hello. Every now and then you have to take stock. You have to kind of clear out the things that we can let go of to make way to be able to open that door to something that's a little bit more balanced and feels more spacious and allows for new ideas and new thoughts. What a beautiful analogy, Mary. I love it. It It is one thing to establish your priorities and create non-negotiables, but you have to establish boundaries that allow you to protect your non-negotiables. And as Mary pointed out in her closet analogy, sometimes you need to keep checking back in to make sure that you have not over-prioritized. So those are the three levers. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the leader's role in this. While I truly believe we are all responsible for our own happiness and well-being, I do believe there are organizations that are not creating environments where employees can thrive. And as we know, an organization is made up of humans. So I believe it is the leaders that are ultimately responsible for cultivating an environment where our people can not only survive, but also thrive. While I believe that it is critical that the CEO understands the value of people, there are organizations where leaders are able to create a protective environment even when the CEO is not on board. If you are a leader in an organization with a CEO that does not understand the value of your people, I want to just say that I appreciate the work that you are doing to continue to fight for your people and protect their well-being. It is, in fact, where they spend the majority of their days. I think my conversation with culture coach Pam Nimick captures the value of the people and a message to the CEO. Don't ever lose sight that there are human beings behind those numbers that are helping you achieve all that you want to achieve. So the best use of your time is to take care of them and really connect, understand what who they are, understand what they need, 
personally and professionally, and then do that consistently because that's how you will have long-term sustainable success. Anything anything less than that, and you will um, have success for a time, but eventually it will erode. Such a powerful message from Pam and so true. You know, in one of Brene Brown's podcasts with Adam Grant and Simon Sinek, they talked about burnout, burnout and toxic cultures, and they described a toxic culture as dominated by disrespect, abuse, cutthroat behaviors, unethical decisions, and exclusion. If this describes an environment where you work, I encourage you to start looking for other opportunities because there are positive cultures out there where you can not only survive, but also thrive. And if you're a leader out there trying to build a culture and trying to create an environment where employees can thrive, I want to share a mantra that we had at a former organization where I worked. And that is that every employee wants to be a valued member of a winning team on an inspiring mission. At the end of the day, that's really what we want. And so if you can provide that for your team, then you are winning. I'll just wrap up with circling back to Carissa, who was just on the last episode. She is really creating an environment for her team to thrive because she understands how important it is to step back and refuel when needed and how to build trust in her team, which is the ultimate foundation for high-performing teams. Let's listen to Carissa. When it comes to my team specifically, I am a fierce protector of, of them as human beings, but also of their work and their time. And I definitely go out of my way to make sure that um, I'm helping them. So whether that's coaching, whether that's development, whether that's offering feedback, whether that's just being, you know, somebody to vent to or have a conversation with, like finding space and understanding them and listening to them is, you know, what I think allows for that environment and allows for us to have that relationship um, and just such a feeling of mutual respect. I hope this episode has helped paint the picture for the importance of really defining your version of success in your life right now, understanding what you were uniquely put on this planet to do and setting boundaries protect your priorities and non-negotiables. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Authentic Energy Podcast. More to come each week, more guests coming, and I'm really excited to continue to connect with each of you. If you want to reach me directly, again, my email address is wendybrandcoaching at gmail.com. Visit my website at wendybrandcoaching.com. Hope to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.